0: Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you.
1: Happy Easter and welcome to Resurrection Sunday at Valley Point Church. This day, it brings hope and life and renewal. It is truly a joy to share these moments with you. So Easter, this is a day where Christians around the world celebrate Jesus coming back to life, which is kind of bizarre, isn't it? A man who was dead, a man who had no life at all, came back to life and walked out of the tomb. That's not supposed to happen, but yet that is the story of Easter, and it's what we celebrate, And it is absolutely glorious. A dead man coming back to life. This is Easter. We find four gospels in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All four gospels share the life of Jesus. And some of the things that he said and some of the things that he did, all of the gospels talk about his death and his resurrection and how there were eyewitnesses who actually saw Jesus alive. In addition to the biblical account, there are other ancient non-Christian sources that speak of the historical Jesus and his life, his death, and his resurrection. Easter is an extraordinary event. It really is. I would say that Easter is my favorite holiday. Can I reminisce with you for just a few moments? Can I do that? I remember as a child in our home, Easter was a very special day. And often before Easter, there was all this hubbub of activity and stuff that was happening in order to make Easter Sunday a very memorable and unique day. I'm sure many of you did some of the same things that my family did in preparing for Easter. Often new clothes were involved because it's a new season, and now you can wear all of these new clothes. And so we got new clothes on Easter, and that was kind of fun. Often we colored eggs on Easter. I'm not sure what colored eggs have to do with the risen Savior, but that's what we all do, and it's just kind of a fun activity. It's all good often we had easter baskets filled with sweet treats and we always shared as a family a fantastic meal that just brought the family together where we could talk and we could give thanks for what jesus had done for us our traditional family meal on easter was leg of lamb and boy it was tasty That's what I remember from my childhood as I reminisce and think about this amazing holiday called Easter, and many of these activities, many of these traditions are still things that I enjoy today. As a matter of fact, after our last gathering today, I will return to my home with my family and some other friends, and we are going to eat leg of lamb with mint jelly. That's an actual thing. Leg of lamb and mint jelly, you get the sweet and the salt mixed together. It is absolutely delightful. I love Easter. It's my favorite holiday. Beyond being a fun day, I think Easter is a day where we celebrate a risen Savior and we think about how it's a rescue story and really underneath Easter is this idea, this concept that there was a great rescue story in play for all of us. Rescue. This has been our theme here throughout the month of April. And beyond just defining that word, we have been looking to the person of Jesus and painting a sketch of him, really, as the rescuer. Jesus, the ultimate rescuer. That's who he is. Here's our big idea for today, and this will frame our entire conversation. So please take out your talk notes, and I would encourage you to follow along as we move through this time together. Our big idea, Jesus, the rescuer, is living. Now that might seem like a simple statement, but it's really important for us to grasp here on Easter Sunday. Jesus, the rescuer, is is living. And we'll spend the rest of our time thinking through that. Which brings us to our scripture reading for today, which is found in Luke chapter 24. Again, Luke is one of the four gospels that share the life and story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm going to read from chapter 24 in just a moment. If you have a Bible or a device, please feel free to find this chapter. These words will also appear on the screen when I begin to read. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Out of respect for God and his word, will you stand with me as I read? So keep in mind, this is resurrection Sunday morning. Jesus has been killed. He's dead. The dream is over. The dream is over. Luke chapter 24, verse 1, but very early on Sunday morning, the women who were followers of Jesus went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, which is an interesting thought. Like, we're here to take care of the body of Jesus, and that's why we have these burial spices. What happened inside this tomb? And where's Jesus? He's supposed to be here. So they stood there puzzled, and as they did that, two men, two angels, suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. They had New Easter clothes too. Dazzling robes. Verse 5, the women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? Great question, right? Why are you here looking among those who are dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Don't you remember? Jesus gave you that information. You don't remember that? Well, verse 8 says, Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. These are God's words given to us in love. You may be seated. Here's what I'd like to do. From Luke chapter 24, this glorious account of Jesus coming back to life and hope being renewed in his followers. I want to pull some thinking points. And it is my hope that these thinking points challenge us a little bit. And I think you'll find that to be true. After I share some thinking points, i want to give you a story, something that I think you will all identify with as we think about how it relates to the good news here. So thinking points, a story, and then I'll end with some helpful takeaways that will encourage us, okay? Thinking points, a story, and then some takeaways. Let's begin with our thinking points. Here's the first one. The women, these followers of Jesus, were taking spices to a tomb to care for a dead body. Jesus is gone. He's dead. The dream is over, and they are walking to the tomb with spices to care for a dead body. Luke is very careful to display this for us, that the women were not going looking for someone who was alive. They actually brought stuff with them to care for a dead body. Archaeology has revealed that inside tombs during this era, there would have been an area to prepare a dead body. And again, it's likely, as you read Luke's account, that they are going to the tomb to enter into this room to prepare the body of Jesus, and that's why they have burial spices with them. In this area, they would put the spices on the body to delay decay as long as they possibly could. The body would generally then be wrapped with these spices and then they would take the body and place it on a niche or a shelf that had been carved out of the wall in this tomb. And generally these tombs were found on the side of the hill or the side of a mountain. So things were carved out on the inside. By the way, only wealthy people could have a tomb like this. It wasn't common for everybody to be buried this way. But if you were wealthy, you could afford such a tomb for yourself and for your family. Which I think brings up a very interesting thought. We know based on the Gospels that Jesus didn't come from money. He grew up with a poor family. They didn't have a lot, and that's very clear in Scripture. But yet we find Jesus being buried in a tomb that only the wealthy could afford. So what's happening here? Well, if you roll back to Luke chapter 23, and I would encourage you to do that at some point, you will read about the death of Jesus and how he passed. After he died, there was a devout and righteous man. That's what chapter 23 tells us. A devout and righteous man, a good man named Joseph. Joseph was a follower of Jesus, no doubt crushed and very disappointed that Jesus is gone. And after Jesus dies, he goes in and he asks for the body of Jesus so that he can prepare it for burial. What we know about Joseph is that he was an influential leader in his community and a wealthy individual. This was a tomb he would have purchased for himself and for his family, and now he's sharing it with Jesus. Really interesting side note here about Jesus and the tomb Isaiah, an Old Testament prophet, foretold the Messiah's coming approximately 700 years before Jesus ever arrived. And in the book of Isaiah, he talks about how the Messiah, Jesus, would be beaten and he would be killed. And then in Isaiah chapter 53, here's what it says about Jesus and the tomb. And keep in mind, Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus ever arrived. But here's what Isaiah chapter 53 says. He, Jesus, had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Very interesting to me how Isaiah foretold where Jesus would be buried. It happened in a rich man's tomb which is just fascinating. Okay, here's another question for us. What's the deal with spices, (laughs) burial spices? Because Luke really draws attention to the fact that these followers, these women, are coming to the tomb to care for the dead body of Jesus, and they have burial spices with them. Well, one scholar describes it this way. They... The spices reduce the immediate stench of a rapid decomposition in the normally hot Mediterranean days. But Jerusalem is over 2,000 feet above sea level and is cool enough in April that in a sealed tomb, the body would still have been approachable. And I believe that's what we see happening here. The women, the followers are coming to the tomb. They have burial spices with them. The body is still approachable. They can still care for Jesus and his body. And they are now approaching a rich man's tomb to deliver spices to a dead body. Thinking point number two, the women are puzzled, not hopeful, when they did not see Jesus. Right? The women are puzzled Not hopeful. When they walk into the tomb and discover, oh, Jesus isn't here, that just helps us to understand. Again, they were not looking for a living Jesus. They were planning on seeing a dead body, and that's why they have burial spices. This is so fascinating to me. Like for me, I would think they would begin to consider, oh, like, wait a minute here. Like the day has arrived and, you know, Jesus talked about this a little bit. He didn't hide that information from them that he would be killed and he would pay for the sins of the world and he would be buried. But he told everybody in three days, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk out and I will be living. I would think that once they got to the tomb and realized, oh my goodness, there's no body here. Maybe he's still alive. Maybe he's come back. Maybe we will see him again. But yet, that's not really what you see here. They're still a little shocked, and they're puzzled, and rightly so, because coming back to life is a little out there. That just doesn't happen every day. So the women are puzzled, not hopeful, when they can't see the body of Jesus. Thinking point number three, the angel's conversation confirms that the women thought Jesus was dead. That's what they believed. If you go back to verse 5, the angels are talking to them and asking the question, why are you here looking for the living among the dead? Don't you remember what he talked about in Galilee? How he said this would happen. Don't you remember this? And that whole conversation with the angels just helps us to understand that these women thought Jesus was dead. And then, Thinking point number four, the surprise and delight of realizing what happened must have been overwhelming. Like, wow, is it true? Is it possible? The surprise and delight of realizing what happened must have been overwhelming for them. And this is where we need to place ourselves in their shoes for just a few moments. Let's throw ourselves into the narrative. And think about these followers who come to the tomb to care for a dead body and they're puzzled. They don't understand why he's not there. And then all of a sudden, the information begins to flow and they realize that Jesus is actually alive. That surprise and delight must have been overwhelming to them as it would be for all of us. Question, have you ever received news Good news that brought pure joy into your life. Has that ever happened to you? You get good news and it just makes you happy and you break out into a song or a dance or at least on the inside you're really content and happy. I think we've all received bad news that disappoints us and brings pain and hurts But hopefully, you have also, at some point in life, received some good news that just brings pure joy into your life. Maybe it's news that you got the job you always wanted, and you're just really thrilled about that good news. Or maybe you received news that you're having your first child, and that's really exciting to you. And if you've had a child, you can probably remember that day, how thrilling it was. Or maybe it's the news that you're going to have your first grandchild. Wow, this is going to be great. Or maybe it's the news of being accepted into the college of your choice. Great news. Or maybe it's receiving good news about an unexpected bonus at work, and that comes your way, and that makes you sing and dance because it's just great news. Great news, when it's received, has this ability to surprise and delight and just throw us into euphoria. We love good news. Okay, story time. I have six kids. I have one out of college, one in college, two in high school, one in middle school, and then one in elementary school. And my wife is a teacher. So we're thinking about school all of the time. I think many of you will be able to identify with what I'm about to say. When we receive the call the night before or early in the morning that school is going to be canceled because of snow, when we get that phone call and then share that information with our kids, There is absolute craziness in the house. There is singing and dancing and jumping and running and things are being thrown. Kids are swinging from the lights. There is a lot of euphoria in our house. And I'm sure if you've ever experienced that phone call and giving that information to your kids, the same thing has happened to you. It's crazy. And it's actually a lot of fun to watch. When that phone call... Has arrived in the past never ever 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 has any of my kids said no no we must go to school we can push through the snow I have to get there I have stuff that's due I want to be there I want to see my teachers I love school I want to get there we will do whatever it takes to get to school That has never happened. Never. Instead, when that phone call comes, no school, pure joy and celebration. Now imagine for just a few moments that Sunday. That Sunday, as described in Luke chapter 24. He's alive. (laughs) the body of Jesus is not here. He's living. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And while that took a little bit of time to land in their minds, once they understood and remembered what Jesus said, and once they saw him, Wow. Wow. Surprise and delight because Jesus, the rescuer, he's not here. He's not here. He's living. Jesus, the rescuer, lives. I have a couple of takeaways that I hope will encourage you. Here's the first one Easter helps us not to put limits on Jesus. And if Jesus can walk out of the grave, then he can. He can. Here's something for all of us to consider. Where are you putting limits on Jesus? I find myself doing this quite a bit. Jesus won't. Jesus can't. Jesus isn't listening to me. Maybe he's listening to other people and responding to them, but he doesn't seem to be listening to me. So he won't. He can't. If Easter helps us to understand anything... It does this, it recalibrates our hearts so that we just have this confidence Jesus can. If a dead man can come back to life, and that's what happened on Easter with Jesus, if he can walk out of the tomb, then Jesus can allow your hearts to be restored and renewed with the fact that Jesus, the rescuer, lives. And let's not put limits on Jesus, okay? Secondly, Easter helps us to trust in Jesus, Why is that? Well, it's because Jesus, the rescuer, lives. And maybe this Easter, for the very first time, you need to trust, you need to believe in the salvific work of Christ on your behalf. Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. He did all of that for us and personalize that. He did it for you. He did it for you. And so Easter... It helps us to trust in the living and risen Savior. So Easter rolls around once a year. And we celebrate new clothes, Easter baskets, great food. We get together and it's a lot of fun. But Easter is also this opportunity to look at information we are probably aware of for the most part. Most of us are have an understanding that yeah Easter is the story of Jesus coming back to life so it's probably not new information for us but here's what I want you to encourage this Easter to do allow it to do in your life don't put limits (laughs) on what Jesus can do if he can walk out of the grave then he can he can for you and if you've never trusted in Jesus the rescuer maybe today is that opportunity for you to say yes to Jesus, the Rescuer who lives. Father, we come before you and we express thanks for sending Jesus to live and die for us, to pay the price for our mistakes, our brokenness, and our sin. But death could not keep him. Death did not defeat him. He walked out of the grave and he lives. And that's what we celebrate today. God, that's what we celebrate every Sunday when we gather. Jesus lives. He lives. God, I want to thank you for this marvelous story in Luke chapter 24 that just helps us step back into that day. And these followers of Jesus were crushed and broken, hurt, Dream is over. And they didn't anticipate seeing Jesus alive, even though you talked about that with them. Death is so final. And so they're going to care for a dead body. But yet when they began to understand what had happened and when they recalled what Jesus said, boy, life came to them. So God, I pray that you'd help each and every person here not put limits on what Jesus can do. God, my confession to you is I often limit what Jesus can do and I think he can't or he won't. And Easter is this chance once again to center our lives and our hearts and how Jesus can work in and through me. God, maybe there are some here who need to believe. They need to trust in Jesus alone without adding anything to that. I pray that you would stir in our hearts and help us to respond to you now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Round in glory now, the Savior knew.
1: pray with me our great God we've been singing about the name of Jesus it brings victory and so today we celebrate that Jesus lives he came to rescue each and every one of us And for this we give thanks. We humble ourselves in gratitude before you. I'd like for you just to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for a moment. Maybe today on this Easter you're understanding you've been putting limits on Jesus and what he can do and your heart's renewed a little bit. Jesus lives, he defeated death and he can, Jesus can but yet you've been putting limits on him. Maybe right now you just need to talk to God the Father and say, okay, right now, today, I will remove the limits and allow Jesus to work in and through me and I will believe once again that he can. Just talk to God about that a little bit. Maybe you're here and you've never trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you. And that's making sense to you. As you think about Easter and how Jesus came and lived and died. He paid for our mistakes, our sins, our brokenness. And you're ready to trust in his saving work. You're ready to believe in that without adding anything to it. Because there's nothing we really can add then I would just encourage you from your heart to God's ears, let him know that you are broken and you are sinful and you're reaching out to him. Just talk to him about that. And tell him that you're reaching out for his leadership and forgiveness, that you're trusting in the work of Jesus alone. Just tell him that. And then thank him for rescuing you. Jesus, the rescuer, lives. I will say to you, if that's something you're offering up for the very first time, congratulations. I believe this will be your greatest Easter ever because you have a forever friend in Jesus. The one who can. The rescuer who lives. Father. We praise you. We praise you. And thank you for the gift of Jesus. It's in his risen name that we do pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home, or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.